Father in heaven, as we gather this day, again we pray for your spirit to move among your people through the power of your word, that we might be reminded indeed we are your forgiven children, and that you called us by name. Lord, we pray that by your spirit you would help us to live in this world in a way that we show Christ and share Christ with those around us, that all the world might know of the promises fulfilled in our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. This season of Epiphany continues to remind us that the Word of God has become flesh and dwells among us, full of His grace and His truth and full of the gospel that he brings to us. If we are looking at some of the scriptures as they unfold during this season of Epiphany, we might be a little bit confused if we are tied into the chronology of things because we, in recent weeks, have just seen the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River by John, and we saw last week that Jesus was calling his disciples, uh, Peter and John and Andrew and James, and, and, and we begin to see the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and all of a sudden this week we come and the gospel has us right back to when he's a little baby. How do you explain that? Well, I kind of liken it to this. Jesus is gathering his disciples, and as he's gathering them, he has to pull out the photo book and begin to explain to him his own little history. These are the pictures that were taken by the shepherds when I was laying in a manger. And these are the pictures that they took with Simeon in the temple when my parents brought me as required by the law. Oh, if only the explanation were that easy. The really, the only explanation that we have is those who put together our pericopal system must have been a little bit confused in chronology. But they always have a purpose. And what is that purpose? To remind us again that this is not just an ordinary rabbi who's calling disciples to him, but this is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the one who's going to come to take away the sins of the world and to change lives. You see, Jesus needs to begin to explain to his disciples exactly what's going to be taking place. And maybe it's a little bit early in his ministry for his disciples, but again, in all things, he's pointing us to the cross, to this living tree. It's a reminder that the cross is not only an emblem of suffering and shame, but it's a reminder that our life in Christ comes through the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. This baby that Mary and Joseph bring to the temple, remember the words of Simeon. He's that old guy that was told he wasn't going to die until he saw the Messiah. And he echoes those words from the prophet. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. 
You shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, it's in this cross of Christ that we are forgiven, and it is in this cross that our sins are cast away from us as far as the east is from the west. They're washed away. They're taken away by the very blood of the Lamb who was shed for us. Mary and Joseph, when they present this, this little baby boy, have no idea the price that Jesus is going to pay. They only know that somehow he's going to take away the sins of the world. And so just as Jesus grows up and was baptized in the Jordan River by John, so are we in the shadow of the cross, baptized. Baptized into a new life, a new life that comes not by our earning it or our deserving it, but solely through the love of a God who redeems us, a lost and condemned person. You see, it's in the cross and through the waters of baptism that the grace of God is applied in such a way that our lives begin to be transformed and renewed and reshaped. We go from that cocoon of death into that wonderful emblem of life. Transformed people, not by our own energy or strength, but by the love of God himself. It comes to us through that forgiveness of sins. Father, forgive them. It comes through the blood of the Lamb. And if it stopped there, it would be enough. But you see, Christ calls us into a transformed life, not merely to be saved from our sins, but also to live in that forgiveness each day, empowered by the Holy Spirit. As Paul writes, so that we should live not for ourselves and nor for the world, but rather for Christ who saved us. Not because in so doing that we're earning some sort of brownie points or higher place in heaven. It's not so that we get moved from the back of the class to the front of the class or, Lord forbid, as a Lutheran from the back of the church to the front of the church. No. We live for Christ because Christ's love compels us. The passion of Christ in our lives and that power of the Holy Spirit compels us to live a, a transformed life in a way that we begin to pick up our cross daily and follow him. That even in the midst of this world, we can bear witness to a Savior by the ways that we live, by the things that we say, by the paths that we walk. And that's not always an easy thing. Sometimes we say, I don't know exactly what God wants me to do or where he wants me to go. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep growing. For one of the things that we do know is that Christ uses each and every one of us to transform the lives of people around us. It goes back to that 
that whole song that, that Simeon sings again in the temple, those words that he quotes from Isaiah. And, and it's a reminder that as Isaiah says, I will keep you and, and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. You see, this, this presentation of Jesus in a temple is a reminder of the prophecy that says, in fulfillment of this, that I send Jesus as a Savior not only to die for the sins of the Jewish people, but for the sins of all people, to be a light to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. In other words, this is a Savior who comes for the whole world, for you and for me, for those who work around us, who live around us, who study around us. That he comes for all people. That's a message of God's love. That's a message of how passionate our Father in heaven is for all of his people. It's a reminder of that promise from John 3.16, for God so loved the world. How well do we love? How well do we love people? That's the challenge. Do I love the world with the unconditional love of God in Christ Jesus who came to die for the sins of the whole world? Or do I love people when it's convenient for me? Or when somehow I might get the pat on the back? Do I really understand what it means to live the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world? Or am I so wrapped up in the world that I forget about Christ who died for it? That's the challenge. Today, millions of people will gather. Millions of people will turn on television sets. Millions of people will see who the victor is, whether it's Kansas City or San Francisco. Let me ask you a question. Who won the Super Bowl four years ago? Not Green Bay. Not Green Bay. How fleeting and how fading our memories are for the victors of this world. In a sporting event in which millions tune in, the victory will be celebrated tonight by one or another, but a few years from now forgotten by all but the most ardent of fans. The victory for us was won 2,000 years ago, and we still remember the name of the victor, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's the one who won the victory on a field full of blood, shed on a cross, in payment for the sins of the whole world. 
A victory over sin, over death, and even over the devil himself, as Paul reminds us, excuse me, as the letter to the Hebrews reminds us today. And so tomorrow, when you gather around the proverbial water coolers of our world to talk about the game of yesterday, make sure that somehow you say, you know, that was a great victory, but let me tell you about an even greater victory that was won 2,000 years ago against an even greater foe. Look for those opportunities to share the love of God in Jesus. Look for the opportunities to talk about the cross and the crown of thorns and a heart that our Savior has for a world and for you and for me. Share Christ. Share the love of Jesus. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.